This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Acts chapter 10. This is where the gospel, which has been commanded by Jesus to go to Jerusalem and Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, is finally moving to the third phase of going to the ends of the earth, going to the Gentiles. It went to the Jews in Jerusalem and Judea. It went to the Samaritans, the half-breeds, who were half-Jewish and half-Gentile. And now it's going to go to the Gentiles. So we read in Acts chapter 10, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angels who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called back, uh, called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous 
and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you thanking you that you have love for all people. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for loving people who look and think and act differently than us. Thank you that you love all the creatures of heaven and earth. Thank you, God, that you want us to love people and share the good news of forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus with all people. And so, Lord, speak to us today. Help us to hear your word clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Today's message is entitled, God is not prejudiced, nor should we be. Amen? God is not prejudiced, nor should we be. Acts chapter 10. The question of the chapter is this. How may we show impartiality just as God does? How can we be loving of all people and not be prejudiced or negatively biased against them or discriminate against them, just like God is loving of all people and is not showing favoritism to one group of people while excluding the rest. And we're going to learn four important principles from Acts chapter 10. Number one, people different from you also seek God. We need to realize that people who are different from us are also looking for God. We also need to realize that people different from us are not inferior. Just because a person looks different or has a different economic status or a different educational background, they're not inferior to you or me. We're all made in the image of God. And the third principle is unfair rules of engagement and treatment of people different than us need to be changed. Do we hear a hearty amen on that? We need to see change of how people who are different are being treated because there's a lot of unfairness that's going on today. And then fourth principle is peace with God is available to all people groups. Peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ is available to all. We have an equal opportunity gospel. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We sang that. Now, let's go with principle number one. uh, People, we need to realize that people different from you and me are also seeking God. We find in Acts chapter 10 such an example in verses 1 and 2. At Caesarea, uh, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now think about this. Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius is a Roman Gentile, which is even worse. In the minds of Jewish people, their enemies were Gentiles and their oppressors were Roman Gentiles. So in terms of people to be discriminating against and prejudiced against, 
those uh, Gentiles and those Roman Gentiles were especially at the bottom of the list. And you know, when a Jewish person would pray, they would pray, I thank God I'm not a Gentile. And they would spit, because to them, Gentiles were unclean. They were pigs, and they were dogs. And they would pray, I'm thankful I'm not a Gentile. And spit those pigs, those dogs. That's how strong the hatred, the prejudice against Jew, uh, Gentiles was from Jews. And here's a, a, an extreme example. You've got Cornelius. He, not only is he a Gentile, not only is he a Roman, but of all things, he's a centurion. What's a centurion? A centurion is a sergeant major or a captain. So he has rank in the system. If you would, he would be like the police are in society today. Is anyone tracking with me that he represents authority? He represents the system. He represents what some would consider to be unfair treatment of the oppressed Jewish people. And yet of all people to have any sense of morals, he actually has faith. He's not a proselyte. A proselyte of the Jewish faith would be someone who would be converting from being a Gentile to being a Jew by getting circumcised and following the moral laws and going to the temple. He wasn't at that level, but he was a God-fearer, which is up getting towards that level. He was a God-fearer. So it says here that he uh, was devout. He was God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. You know what this says to me? It says to me, you can be religious but not saved. You can become in the church but not a Christian. Just because you come to church doesn't automatically make you a Christian any more than, you know, going into a garage makes you a car. You need to have a personal faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to be saved. And it's not religious practice that saves you. However, when someone starts to read their Bible, when someone starts to pray, their heart begins to open to God. And the prayer God will always answer is, God, if you exist, show me yourself. That's the prayer God will always answer. That if you are seeking him and you ask God to show him yourself, he will show you who he is and how much he loves you and gave Jesus for you. So my question to you is, to whom are you, toward whom are you prejudiced? What, who is the type of person you dislike, you avoid, you treat poorly, you assume as having negative motives, you see as the enemy or as the problem of society? Are you prejudiced towards someone of a different ethnic group? Are you prejudiced towards someone who's, who may be too old or too young in your mind? Are you prejudiced towards someone because of... Uh, their sex, their economic status, their choice of music, their clothing. How about this? Are you prejudiced towards someone of a different political party? At this presidential election season, the um, separation of people, uh, the polarization is at an extreme level. And it's easy to demonize one another and see each other as the enemy that person doesn't have a brain in their head. 
That person, you know, is an outright, uh, you know, enemy. And those thoughts go through people's heads because prejudice is strong in our society. Another question to ask is, are you devout? It's sometimes shameful to think that even uh, religious people who are seeking outdo people who already know the Lord. Did you notice that Cornelius was praying regularly? And he prayed at the 3 o'clock hour, which was one of the Jewish times for prayer. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, chapter 6, it tells us he prayed three times regularly. He prayed so regularly you could set your clock by his prayers. He prayed so regularly that when they tried to find something wrong with Daniel to get him in trouble, they set him up around his prayer times. There was enough evidence to um, say he was guilty of being a believer because of his prayer life. How about you? Do you pray regularly? And then he gave to the poor. He gave generously to those in need. We as Christians sometimes are put to shame by people who don't even know the Lord by their generosity. We need to pray regularly. We need to give generously to those in need. So point number two, principle number two is this. People different from you are not inferior or unworthy. In Acts chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, we read about how Peter responded when he was up on the roof. By the way, in Middle East, uh, the roofs were flat, and they had a little canopy over them. So it was the perfect place to go up and cool down, because the house would be kind of hot. But you go up the upstairs, up, outstairs roof, uh, stairs up to the roof, and you would feel the breeze, and the canopy would provide shade. So it's a nice place. Plus, it was a quiet place, and he wanted to pray. I've been to Simon the Tanner's house. It's really cool, at least the place where it used to be. It's right on the waterfront. And I was there with the pebbles, and I was looking at where it would have been. And I was thinking about this story. Peter on the roof, going to pray while lunch is being prepared. The smell of that wonderful food is coming up to him, and suddenly he goes into a trance. He's aware of what's going on, but there's a movie playing in front of his mind. It's going right before his mind's eye. And he sees this sheet coming down from heaven. And it's got all kinds of animals on it, and he's commanded to go kill and eat. And he responds, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. So here's where his prejudice comes out regarding food. There's kosher food that is allowed according to Leviticus chapter 11 and has been blessed by rabbis. And then there's unkosher food that's unclean, it's impure, and no good Jew should be eating non-kosher food. And Peter's like, hey, all my life I've been eating kosher food. There's no way I'm going to eat any of that. And it's really ironic, isn't it? That if we call Jesus Lord, we're not to disagree or resist him. Either he's Lord of all or he's Lord not at all. Peter resisted the Lord. And you know, the Lord's ways are higher than our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. The Lord's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, higher than the heavens are above the earth. So when the Lord says something, we need to salute and say, aye, aye, Captain, he's my commander-in-chief. 
It may not make sense to me, but if the Lord says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And so we should not say, not so, or surely not, Lord. This is not the first time Peter has said, no way. Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, and on the third day I'm going to rise from the dead. And Peter's like, no way, not so, Lord. And what did Peter say to him? Uh, Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Your mind is on the interests of this world, not on the interest of what God has in mind. God has in mind for me to go to the cross and pay for your sins so you can be saved. And you're saying, don't go to Jerusalem where you're going to be crucified. And you, you're, you're working with the devil on that. Get behind me, opponent. So here's how the Lord helped Peter to change his way of thinking. God used Peter's own hunger for lunch to begin a trance about eating food. God put before Peter all sorts of food options and told him to kill and eat whatever he wanted. God heard Peter's objection and testimony that he only ate kosher food in obedience to God and that Peter judged all other food as not being acceptable or allowed in his diet. God told Peter not to call something unacceptable or not allowed if God himself says it's acceptable and allowed. God repeated this three times, three times, to reinforce that Peter is not to be prejudiced, Peter's not to be racist, Peter's not to be sexist, not to be biased, not to be disgusted by, partial against, narrow-minded toward, or show any kind of discrimination toward people different from him, because God himself is not that way, but he accepts all. God had the Gentile guest arrive at Simon the Tanner's house exactly after Peter came out of the trance so that what Peter experienced in his mind and heart could be confirmed in real time. God told Peter that he had sent these Gentiles to him and that Peter was authorized by God to accept their invitation to go with these Gentiles. And Peter, who's already starting to soften up and get the message, invites these guests, these Gentiles, to be his guests in Simon the Tanner's home. You can see that God is working in Peter's mind and heart and bringing him along. All right, point number three is this. Unfair rules of engagement and treatment need to be challenged. Unfair rules of engagement and treatment need to be challenged. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Peter, upon going to Cornelius' house and seeing not only Cornelius, but all of his household and all of the soldiers that had gathered, um, he says, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. In other words, Peter is saying right out of the get-go, I'm not supposed to be here. This is against the rules. Uh, it's not customarily allowed for this association, this connection to be happening. Do you remember Jesus said, I must go through Samaria? Most Jews would not go through Samaria where there were half-breeds. They would go all the way around Samaria to get to where they were going. Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And not only that, he had contact with a woman a Samaritan woman, a woman of ill repute at the well. So our Lord broke every rule, every social 
uh, restriction of his day to love people. And we need to break some rules. We need to break some laws. We need to break some social customs in order to show God's love to people. Ever get on an elevator? What do you do? You look at the numbers. You, you stand towards the back, you fold your hands, and you just stare at the numbers. What, what if you got in the elevator and you stood towards the front and looked at people? Hey, that's not right! You're not supposed to do that! We need to break some long-standing traditions in order to love people who are different from us in order to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. In downtown Chico, there are some men who wear turbans. And you look at them and you know they're different. You know they're of a different religion. And you might go to one of their restaurants. Show the love of Jesus to all people. This is a powerful message. So look at the evidence of Peter as a man being freed of prejudice. In verses 25 and 26, there is a sense of equality, not superiority. In verses 25 and 26, there's a sense of equality, not superiority. It says in 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Isn't that powerful? Cornelius bowed and out of reverence, said, oh, you're far greater than I. I. I'm supposed to pay homage to you. I'm supposed to, you know, bow down to you. And Peter's like, no way. Lesson number one, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all one. We're all equal. I'm not better than you. I'm not superior to you. There's no superior race, and all other races are inferior. That is not taught in the Bible. That's powerful. Uh, look at verse 29. Peter's heart was open, not closed. In verse 29, it says, So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So he's, he's curious. How can I connect with you? How can I be of service to you? Uh, look at verse 29b. He asked a question for better understanding where the other people were coming from. How may I be of service to you? Why did you send me? And you know, sometimes we judge people right off the bat. We judge a book by its cover, and we don't even take a moment to understand where they're coming from. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Where are you coming from? How can I understand your perspective on this matter, rather than just judging you flat out, rejecting you completely, and uh, assigning you to be a devil, why don't I take time to seek to understand? You know, Francis of Assisi said, it's better to understand, it's better to seek to be, to understand than to be understood. In other words, if we took more time to understand others, they would understand us and we would understand them. And then notice in verse 33, as a result of Peter's love and acceptance, the presence of God is strongly felt, and there's a total receptivity to hear the gospel. In verse 33, even while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit comes upon them because they open their hearts right away to say yes to Jesus, and the, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in such an evident way 
that it's amazing, all because Peter overcame his prejudice. All right? The last point is this. The last point is, a peace with God is available to all. And this is in Acts 10, 34 to 35. Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter is sharing with them his aha moment. When that sheet was let down and he refused to eat the non-kosher food and, and God said, don't call anything unclean that I call clean, it all dawned on him when he was called to this Gentile's house that he perceived them as unclean and he's not to call them unclean if God calls them clean. If God wants to save Gentiles as well as Jews, God's allowed to do that. And you know what? That's the mystery of the ages. The mystery of the ages that has been revealed is that God didn't just choose Israel. God chose Israel to be a witness to all nations that all peoples on earth might be blessed through faith in Jesus. We have a gospel, good news, for all people. Peace with God is available to all. So Peter delivers a clear message about the equal opportunity gospel. And here he says he fully realizes the fact that God is not prejudiced and does not play favorites. He realizes that God accepts people from every nation who trust in Christ and follow him in obedience. He reminds them of what they already know. Peace is possible through faith in Christ, who is Lord of all. That's the key phrase. Jesus is Lord of who? Lord of the Jews? Lord of the Samaritans and Jews? No, he's Lord of all. Jewish, Samaritan, and every shape and form and kind of Gentile. Jesus is Lord of all. That's the message. And so he tells them, Christ lived a sinless and self-sacrificing life, uh, going around doing good, healing people, and he was unjustly hung on a cross, but was raised from the dead and seen by witnesses who can attest that he's alive. And Peter made clear uh, as a witness of Christ that Christ has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. So he's Lord of all, and he's judge of all. That's someone you want to trust in and bow the knee to. Jesus, Lord of all, judge of all, living and dead. And Peter urged them to follow through on what the prophets pointed to, that everyone who believes in Christ receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And let's look at that verse, verse 43, which is the key verse. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The only way to receive forgiveness of your sins is through faith in the name of Jesus. Faith that he died on the cross and gave his sinless life for your sinful life, that he fulfilled all righteousness and obedience, and that his righteousness is put to your account. The moment you trust in him, you're forgiven and you're given righteousness and you're adopted into God's forever family. 
All the prophets testified to this. At the moment that the people heard this, it says in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who, were, who had come with Peter, there were six of them, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. What's going on? These aren't Jewish people. These are Gentiles. And they've come to know the Lord. They've placed their faith in the Lord. And there's evidence of that because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Oh, the joy that filled that room when Cornelius and his wife and his children and his servants and his extended family were just praising the Lord. It was evident that they authentically had been saved. There was no doubt about it. It wasn't Peter only that saw this. It was the six circumcised Jewish people who were with him that also witnessed that Gentiles could be saved. The gospel broke through the last barrier to the ends of the earth as this was going to begin so that the brand new Gentile Christians were now in the kingdom. They're part of the people of God. Well, these brand new Gentile Christians asked Peter to stay with them for a few days, most likely to disciple them and teach them more about their newfound faith. And so we have seen in this um, chapter which answers the question, how may we show impartiality just as God does, that we need to realize that people different from us are also seeking God. We need to realize that people who are different from us are not inferior to us, and we need to change any unfair rules of engagement and treatment that we have. And we need to realize that peace with God is available to all peoples that we have an equal opportunity gospel, and we should not withhold it, but share it with all people. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 530- 8920521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's word.